damn it. Who the hell did this? Who's responsible for this? Why would someone do something like that? You need to hold that person accountable. How in the hell can you let this happen? How much energy are we wasting day in and day out trying to find someone to blame rather than simply working through the issues and coming to some lasting resolutions? Leaders are not born in a womb. They are forged through heat, pressure, and a whole lot of sweat. The Fire Forge Leader Podcast serves the audience through exploring leadership at work, in the community, and with the family, using a practical perspective and real-life experiences from the host, Steve Baumgartner, and his guests in The Forge. Now, it's time to enter The Forge with the Fire Forged Leader. What is up, leaders? Welcome to the Fireforge Leader Podcast. I'm Steve Baumgartner, your host and founder, and I would like to take you on a journey today of the Forge, where we're going to be exploring lessons learned on the front lines of leadership. Now, I'll tell you, I've always found it interesting in my work life how often we're chasing down someone just to blame. I'll tell you, it it kind of makes me laugh, but also really sad at times because it reminds me of the events that occurred back in 1692 and 1693. Now, if your history is like mine, these dates don't mean a damn thing to you right now. But it was when we had the Salem Witch Trials. You know, there was a whole bunch of people in the Salem Witch Trials that were brought up on charges, 172 people to be exact, that were named as witches. 30 of them were actually found guilty in this time period. Most of them were hung out of those 30, and one was actually pressed to death. And, you know, I did a little bit of reading on the on the witch trials, and a lot of it just stemmed from an outbreak of some virus. You know, some of it was just people pointing at other people. It started with a slave girl, and she was just trying to save her own neck and not uh, not be brought up on charges and pointed at other people. And it was just this massive, you know, thing to try and find blame. So my point with this is, is there was a huge problem with the system in play. Rather than looking for what might have been a sickness or the truth, people started looking for witches. And any time when you start looking for witches, and I use that figuratively, any time that you find witches or you try and find witches, you're going to find them. They're going to be there. So this isn't really much different than any of the issues that we have at work or at home. In the work life, when there's a problem, the first question that I often hear, whether it's from one of my subordinates or from a superior, is, 
who the hell was the supervisor who was over this area or who was supposed to be doing that? And it could be like that at home too. How often have we gone home and told our spouse, what in the hell were you thinking? Or you were home all day. How did you let that happen? Or some variation of that. And no matter whether it's in the workplace or whether it's at home, both of these kind of scenarios I've been guilty of. I'm not immune to it. I think as human beings, we're somewhat wired to try and find blame. But what we're really doing is we're trying to find a witch to hunt, right? What we're doing is we're trying to find or trying to place blame upon someone rather than looking into a root cause and going deeper. It's very surface level. It's my belief overall that we're simply trying to blame someone else so that we can pin it and move on to the next thing without any work. That's where my surface level comment comes from. However, sometimes I believe it's even worse than that. I think sometimes to get the heat off from ourselves, we point the finger at someone else and we pin it on someone else because we don't want to look internal. And let's take a look at these situations for a minute. When we're blaming people at work, before we look at anything else, what does that do in that relationship in between employer-employee or employee and employee? It doesn't really matter. What we end up doing is we, we lose loyalty in that person. From here on out, that person feels less a part of the team. We get a little bit less than stellar work from them in the future. They start thinking, why the hell does it matter? They don't care about me. And ultimately what they do is they start spreading that message throughout the rest of the workforce. And it hurts morale. And then when we do that kind of stuff at home, what do we do, right? We get varied results, but ultimately it really just taxes our relationships with our children, with our spouse. It really doesn't matter. We tax those relationships. They get hurt. When people are hurt, they withdraw or they lash out. It starts fights. It's it's just a bad situation. It's got lasting effects in that family environment. It's got lasting effects in the work environment. Overall, though, uh, just think about this for a minute. What do we really accomplish with blaming someone else? Did we really take forward steps in our mission at work or our relationships, our missions at home, out in the community? Is it going to help us get more accomplished? Is it going to help be more efficient or more quality-based? The answer is no to all of these, right? Really what you've done is you've probably destroyed those relationships or seriously damaged them 
with the people that either need or desire most in your life. And then finally, a result that I've seen time and time again is when you have behaviors like this and you treat people like this, you're trying to find fault with them. It takes a lot of time to right that ship after you've knocked it off course. So I'm going to ask you today, why don't we put that time towards something way more constructive than what we are today? And to do that, what we need to do is we need to flip that script, right? So let's start with our core beliefs. Do you as an employer, do you believe that people come to work just to screw things up? Do you believe these people that come to work are simply lazy? Do you think they're trying to screw over the company? And some of you, I'm going to tell you right now, because I've asked people these questions a lot over time. Some of you probably said yes, but I want you to sit back and really think about those questions. And when you do, you're thinking about one or two people, right? And if you think about the majority of them, the answer to these questions is no. Or simply know about most people, but some people are like that. I get that, but the vast majority of people do not fall into those buckets. Now, what do you believe then, right? If you don't believe people are lazy, you don't believe people are trying to screw things up, you don't believe people are trying to screw over the company, what do you believe? And it's important to know this because it gives you a frame in which to reframe your beliefs and the way that you react to people in the future. My belief in the workforce is, is, and I've stated it often to people, that I believe that 99.8% of people who come to work, come to work wanting to do a good job, and go home at the end of the shift knowing that they accomplished something. And even if they don't act like this, they came to work at one point in time to be like this, right? If they don't act like this, though, we need to evaluate that. And we need to be introspective. You know, maybe it was our predecessor, maybe it's us. I don't really care. But somewhere along the line, if you have a mass amount of people that you believe act like this, or a big group of them, or even a small group of them, you need to evaluate. There's been something in their job, in their career, that has upset upset their, their relationship with work somehow. Now, notice I say 99.8% of people. Notice that I still have 0.2% of people that are out there. And I'm going to tell you today, those people are just assholes. And you know the ones that I'm talking about. There's people who are disgruntled and there's assholes. You can't change the assholes, 
you can work on the people who are disgruntled. So let's switch over to home a little bit. What are your core beliefs at home? Do you really think that your wife broke the cupboard door on purpose? Do you really think that your kids are acting out on purpose to piss you off? Do you think that your spouse wasn't paying attention when your son broke his arm? Do you really think these things are true? Once again, I think if you ask yourself these questions honestly, the answer is no. So we've analyzed and thought about our core beliefs. And we flip that script. We reframe it. What do we do now? Well, if we believe these things that we just stated, that our employees are acting with good intention, that our spouse is a loving spouse that wants to do right by the family, and we still had a failure, we need to determine why that thing failed. But we've also already determined that it wasn't the employee or our spouse or our kids or anything else acting with bad intentions. So what do we have left? In my experience, it usually falls into three different buckets. What we need to do is we need to evaluate. Were the right expectations set? Right? Did we tell our employees what they were supposed to be doing and set that expectation? Did we let, oh, here's a good example. Our jujitsu geese aren't supposed to be dried in the dryer because they'll shrink. However, if I don't tell my wife that when she goes to do laundry, she's going to throw them in the dryer. They're going to shrink. And this is a pivotal time, right? I can come home and I can chew on her backside for shrinking my ghee and the kids' ghees, and I got to pay all this money out. Or I can think about it introspectively. And did I set that expectation right out of the get-go? It's unfair to hold people to an expectation that they don't know. The next bucket is, have they been trained properly? Right? So they have an expectation. I want you to build this part with four holes in it and so on and so forth. Okay, so do I um, drill it in with this? What do three sixteenths bit or half it? I don't know. So we need to train them in this process. And then finally, sometimes we have gaps in our processes. There's a reason why we have continuous improvement programs. It's because we understand, or we should understand, not everybody does, but we should understand that we need to improve our processes. So the three buckets, expectations, training, or process. Those are the things that I believe that most failures fall into. Notice one of those buckets is not people. So now we can take 
we've evaluated, we have expectations, we have training, we have process. Some of those things we can just handle on our own. But I want to throw out, let's just say that we had a process variation. And we've determined it to be all in that process bucket. So what if we take that same scenario, the same scenario that before we wanted to just to hang someone up by a noose so that we put it in our background and move on to the next thing, but we talk to that person that we believe is trying to do things right. And rather than asking how they screwed something up, We simply state that we understand that shit happens. We let them know that we want their input. And we help them to determine the root cause. And some action plans to correct it. Because when we sit down with them and talk to them about this, We can tell them the expectation that we need to fix whatever happened, no matter what the cause was, because it was a huge financial hit or it was a safety issue or whatever the case may be. But you want their input. You want them to be part of the team. So let's analyze that for a second, right? So we have just shown that person person that we trust in them and their abilities. We've asked them to be a part of the solution. We've asked them to be part of the team. Once that they're part of the team, they've built the, the process. They've made it better. They're part of the action plans. They're just doing all this stuff. What happens is they naturally buy into those new processes And they're willing to do them as well. And they're going to tell other people around. They're also going to feel valued. And that's going to spread like wildfire too. And then finally, whatever those action plans are, whatever your core beliefs are, if you believe your employees are inherently good people, And you believe that what they came up with action plans are worthwhile of doing. You have to follow it through to the end. Otherwise, you lose credibility. So let's recap that for a second. First thing is we're going to analyze and reframe our core beliefs. Rather than believing someone did something wrong, let's believe in that person. Next, you got to analyze the situation and put it into a bucket. Was it your expectations? Are you to blame for it? Did we not train that person well enough or are there gaps in our training programs? And then final bucket of when we're analyzing is, was it process related? Did we miss steps within our process flow charts or process documentation, single point lessons, whatever the case may be, do we have gaps in our process? Next, what we're gonna do is we're gonna bring that person into the solution. 
they're going to help us really find that root cause. And two, uh, item two and item three here, they can flip flop and position. It doesn't really matter. Depends on the situation. But we're going to bring that person into the solution and help them or have them help us build the action plans and the solution. And then finally, we are going to follow through with this plan, show integrity, and not, not miss a beat. All right, leaders, you have come here to listen to this message on leadership. But listening is not enough. What are you going to do to apply this lesson this week, this month, and this year? Remember, when you become a better leader, you become a better spouse, a better parent, a better coworker, and ultimately that person that other people want to follow. So take these lessons and go out there and grow in your leadership skills and do it for your family and for your community and the ones you lead at work. But above all, do it for yourself. Go out there and lead with intent, my friends. So if you appreciated what you heard here today, I really invite you to leave a rating and a review and smash that subscribe button on whatever podcasting app you're currently listening to. And I further invite you to continue to join us here in the Forge as we bring you lessons learned on the front lines of leadership. Got some awesome guests coming up. I know I keep on telling you, but we have Nancy Regan uh, coming up. I got a co-production with George Williams of Reliability X. I've got Nick Lavery, the author of Objective Secure. He is fully booked. I got Tony Ojeda, financial planner, as well as a life coach. I have Ray Cash Care, people. I just booked Ray Cash Care. It's awesome. And I got a few other things going on in the background. So anyways, continue to dial in, people. The Fire Forge leader keeps on growing because of people like you. And if you're getting something out of this message, I guarantee that someone in your family or one of your friends could also gain something. Don't be selfish with the message. Once again, go out and lead with intent. You have just experienced.